Good afternoon. My name is Dyer, if you don't know me. I'm married, Yemi is married to me. Um, so, um, for the past five weeks, we've been looking at teach us to pray. Praise, learning to pray with Jesus. Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 146. So James, James Sealy, now starting off this series, refer to the Psalms as God's gift to us. They are, they are manners of instruction. And that they, that they are best read as Psalms of David, fulfilling Christ. So whilst most of the scriptures speak to us, the Psalms speak for us. Uh, in the Psalms, we see Jesus as our king, as the front leading us out in prayer and praise. Jesus as the choir master, and we are the choir. In essence, there cannot be spectators, because if we have committed to be part of his choir, we need to be singing the chorus of his songs. Today, uh, I'm going to conclude the series with Psalm 146. So Psalm 146 begins, begins a series of what is called the Alleluia Psalms. So the last five Psalms. And we've been saying hallelujah all day today. Isn't it amazing? Hallelujah just combined two words, two Hebrew words, the hal and the uja, making, making it praise the Lord. And um, so we're going to look at um, Psalm 146. And the first two verses of Psalm 146, it says, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Praise the Lord, O my soul. The appeal is to the soul of the man. And I'll tell you why. If you look at um, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, the 23rd verse, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the you, you are a spirit, you have a soul and you live in a body. So sometimes your, the, the expression of your soul, you do through your body. Because you can't see your soul. And um, Jesus has said something like this before. Our choir masters addressed certain of his disciples. If you look at Matthew 26, this is the story of the Gethsemane. When he was praying, his soul was troubled. Uh, 
Matthew 26, 41, he says, he then came back and he found them sleeping. He says, you could not watch with me just for an hour. He says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, your soul is the seat of your emotions. Your soul speaks three languages. What I want, that is your will. Your emotions, how you feel, and your thoughts, what you think. Those three things are powerful. So the uh, song master is appealing to us that praise the Lord with all your soul. Let your emotions, what you what you want, what how you feel, what let your will, what you want, and let your thought, what you're thinking, let it all come together to praise the Lord. If you can capture your soul to exalt the name of Jesus, then distractions won't come. Because some of the challenges when we praise is our concentration. Verse 3 and 4, Psalm 146. It says, put, your trust, put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation, when his strength departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plan perish. Now, the princess in, in the Bible, shorthand, is a shorthand for any man or woman who has power, influence, the ability to get things done. We naturally put our, naturally we put our trust in such people precisely because they have power. If you look across this room, there are the people we're talking about us either sitting beside you, sitting in front of you, or at your back, or they are talking to you. They have different influences on your life. So I'm married to my wife now for the, some 28 years, and um, and I love my wife a bit, and I, I, I want to believe she does, because I don't think we could have handled that this long. But the truth of the matter is, she cannot put her trust in me. So don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. We trust each other, but she cannot put her trust in me. I cannot, she cannot change me, I think she hasn't been able to. <laughs> but God can change me. And we pray for each other. I don't hear her waking up in the morning and singing songs of adoration to me. That would be foolishness. Because this man needs to be changed. And we're all work in progress. So, so many years ago, I looked at her. She still got that book. I looked one of the book on her. She was... The power of a praying wife. Uh, the power of a praying wife. Yeah, that's the title. And um, so there's only one thing the praying wife will be doing. You'll be praying for their husband. And, and we might laugh about that, but the truth of the matter is whether wife or husband or son to be, we need to be praying. Because sometimes we relegate prayer to, to the second bit. We need to be. Crying to God for our homes and our marriages. 
it says whom there is no salvation. And the reason they cannot save is that they are going to die, whether suddenly or gradually. They are bound to let us down, whether by breaking a promise or simply growing weak and dying. On the day they die, all their plans in which they trusted will perish. So it is sobering and necessary warning, a warning that Jesus needed and heeded to. For he was disappointed even by one of his closest friends, one of whom betrayed him, one of whom denied him, and on whom uh, all of whom deserted him in his hour of need. He knew this and never entrusted himself to people. Look at um, John John chapter 2. So when I was looking um, at this, um, I, I heard the word in my spirit, inhibitor. Let's look at John chapter 2 first. It says, John chapter 2, it says, but Jesus, verse 24, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what is in man. Um, like I said, that word inhibitor, um, inhibitor is a thing which inhibits someone or something. It can be an agent that slows or interferes with a chemical action, a substance that reduces or suppresses that activity of another substance. So our goal is to give all to our master in worship. But anything that will slow that down, interfere with that, whether in form of human agents, we're warned against. We cannot put our trust in a man. And when I mean in a man, it might be a man or a woman. Those relationships are powerful. Um, so in week four, um, um, this is week six. Um, in week four, Anasili was taking us through um, Psalm 119 and he, he reminded us of um, being a blessing, that we're blessed. Um, Ephesians 1, 3 to 6 talks about that we're blessed in Christ. Uh, our position in Christ is blessed. But the opposite of blessed is, is, is to be cursed. Look at um, Jeremiah 17. He has something to say. This thus says the Lord from verse 5. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns from the Lord. You know, this, this reminds me of um, Psalm number 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. See, his delight is in the law of his law. In his law, he meditates day and night. That man is like a tree planted by the, by the rivers of water. <coughs> he brings forth his fruit in a season, and whatsoever he does, prosper. He says, the wicked is not like that. So he says here, is, uh, uh, whose heart turns from the Lord, he is like, uh, verse 6, is like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see any good when it comes. That's sad. 
It shall dwell in the patched places of the wilderness and in an uninhabited sortland. But then the other wind is blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust, whose trust um, is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by the waters that sends out his root by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for it leaves remain growing and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That's the difference of trusting God and man. And when we abandon ourselves in trust completely without any contingency plan of what that person will do because our lives does not have to be put on hold by any human being because God has paid the ultimate price for us. We do not have to make contingency plan in man. God, in case God fails, is that why we make those plans? No. We must put our trust solely on our master, on our king, the one who is leading us in this procession. We must put our trust in it. That is why we need to get rid of inhibitors, the things will come our way, the things that distract us. So from verse 5 to 10 is what comes the good part of this. From verse 5 to 10, it, says, it declares the blessing on those who put their trust in the covenant God, as Jesus did. We see in verse 6 to 9, we're going to read it in a moment. He's done with nine verbs of which the Lord is the subject of everyone. So let's go through that. Verse 6 to 9. Uh, verse from verse 5 to 9. 9 it says, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord, his God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners, the foreigners. He opposes the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked, he brings her in. So, we look at the first part. He um, talks about who made heaven and earth, who's the, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. We have a God who is faithful. He keeps faith. Wherever, whatever your story is at the moment, there is a God you can put your trust in who keeps faith forever. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, without faith it is impossible to please God. And those that come to God must believe that he is God. Let's look at Hebrews 11, verse 1. I want us to look at it in the Amplified Version because uh, it makes um, a, uh, a big register. It says, um, talking about faith. It says, faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction 
of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses, whether it be what you can touch, what you can smell, what you can see, what you can feel, or what you can hear. Those are the physical senses. If you can hear it, if, if you can see it, then you don't need faith for it because it's already here. But there are certain things, especially for us welling, there are certain promises God has made to us in this place that we will see nations. We can't, at the moment, smell them, hear them, feel them. We're touching some of them, but, but the, the plan of God is that we are not to, the Bible said that Joshua walked by faith, not by sight. We're, we're not moved by what we see. We're not controlled by what we see. We're not, we refuse to be influenced by what we see, but influenced by the promise of God. And, 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 and so certain things, whether in your own personal life, God has promised you, you might not be touching it now or hearing it make noise or making it sm- or smelling or but you have to apply faith. 1 uh, Corinthians 2, but as it is written, what, I, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagine, what God has prepared for those who love him. This thing God has revealed to us through the spirit, for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The revelation comes not because of what you see, but it comes from. That's why faith is, is important. That's why it is, it is in, to remain focused to the promises of God, we must hold on the word of God and believe God. The Bible says, against all hope, Abraham believed in hope. And because of that, God counted him as righteousness. God who calls those things that be not as though they were. He was just calling them. What are you calling? What are we calling in wedding? Are we calling what we see or we're calling what God has promised? What are you calling? In your own life, how are you calling your life? Are you calling yourself blessed? You might be hurting at the moment, but you're just a blessed person hurting. You're not cursed, you're blessed. Do not allow what you're experiencing define who you are. You have been defined by the statement of the cross. That you are more than a conqueror. You're just, you might be going through hard times today. You're just a more, more than a conqueror through Christ. In all of these things, in all of these challenges we face, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. You ought to be talking to yourself. You ought to hear, let your voice override the voice that is speaking back to you. Speak louder. Lift up your voice and say, my sons are coming back home. My daughters are coming. My husband is coming back to his senses. My, my wife is coming back. He has accused justice for the oppressed. That's, that's, that's the God you serve. When we abandon earthly or human interference, we now begin to declare we begin to sing the song with the mass. He's a, don't forget, he's, already, he's the one that wrote the songs for us through his blood on the cross of Calvary. 
Let the redeem of the Lord say so. Him who has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let us stand in the congregation and begin to declare what, what he has done, not where we are. Lord, I want to thank you that I'm redeemed. Redeemed from the power of darkness. The songs makes a meaning because the price has been paid. We can stand with confidence and join our choir master and begin to declare our praise. Different scenarios people are going through. Believers, he executes justice for the oppressed. The finished work of the cross is the platform for us to sing and pray of what the Lord has done. The victory secured over oppression and the likes, we get what we do not deserve by God's mercy. And we put our trust in Jesus Christ our Lord. As we sing and pray by faith in him, the exchange that took place, Psalm 107, let the redeemer of the Lord say so. Galatians 5.1, it says, for freedom Christ has set us free, no longer to be subject to the yoke of slavery. You are free. He who the Son has free. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. There, there has to be your heart agreeing with what God has done. That Lord, I'm, I'm free. I'm free. In the presence of the Lord, there's the fullness of joy. I'm free. I, I, some of the letters Paul wrote to the church, he wrote while he was in prison. But he did not refuse. He refused to allow his location to decide who he really is. Do you hunger? Literally, do you hunger? He's, he's our provider. Jehovah Jireh is his name. The God who supplied my need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Do you hunger or thirst for righteousness? Are you shattered by the state of welling and environment? We're not seeing the soul saved. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? The promise in Matthew 5 is that you shall be satisfied. We have to say these things with confidence. We have to sing the songs in confidence. We don't have to sing the song from a as, as we've been defeated. No. We have to join the chorus of our master who has gone ahead of us. That's when the songs become powerful and becomes a prayer statement that our thirst and hunger says you'll be filled. There's so many people blind around us. Blind eyes. He's the one who opened blind eyes. Once I was blind, but now I can see. The power of salvation can lie in our tongue. Life and death lies in the power of the tongue. Be careful what you say over your kids. I see some children calling their kids monkey. And after a while, they begin to behave like monkeys. And they wonder how that happened. The, the mouth, life and death lies in the power of your tongue. Be careful what you're saying. Never undermine the, the power of your prophecy. That was in my notes. I just had it. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> we have the God who can do more than we can do. Let us pray and sing to the Lord. 
He made a way for us to be loved. The righteous, he who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When we join our choir master singing, have you ever seen Jesus come to a place and he's singing about how, how much pain he's going through or how much defeated he is? No, he's singing victory. The songs here in this psalm, all he's saying is, he, 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 uh, what he's saying, he says, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. He watches over so these are These are words that lift you up, not cast you down. So when we join singing, we're not singing the problem, but we're declaring the solution. We shall decree a thing, the book says, and it shall be established. Let's sing some more. Let's sing some more. You don't have to follow a key. It doesn't have to rhyme. In, in, in fact, it doesn't have to rhyme, even rhyme with what you're going through at the moment. You might be singing something different to your experience. You might be speaking, you might be in pain, but you're singing the victory. Joel, Joel there's a verse in Joel chapter 3 verse 10. He says, let the weak say I am, let the weak say I'm strong. Sometimes we sing from our lowly position. Let us join the host of heaven. Let the voice be heard. God who caused those things that be not as though they were. Where do you want to be? What is the problem? One of the things James told us from the beginning is that you know that the promises of God are yes and amen. If God has said it, you don't have to be reading your own reports. Read his reports. What's the point staying all night reading your own personal report? So I come up, I read, lift up this report and say, the Lord has blessed me. I'm the head and not the tail. Above the Lord and not beneath. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because I'm born of God, I overcome the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. I don't have to be there. I just have to begin to call those things to be what he has called me to be. He has delivered me from the power of darkness and he has conveyed me into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Look at the room. We were never like this before. God has done a work of transformation in your personal life. I, I have a testimony of that, what God has done. Let's sing some more songs. Let's sing songs of where we're going, not where we are. I want us to sing, um, I'm going to ask Steve to come back. I want us to sing one more time. But this time when we're singing the song, I, I want to trust God that we're singing something different. I want us to rise up on our feet. Verse 10, it says, sums up the proclaiming the kingdom of God. 
which is what's precisely what Jesus did throughout his earthly ministries. Mark 1.15, God is to be praised because God is king. As Jesus leads us in this psalm, we too heed the warning. Not to finally trust people, but to place our hope in God and Father of, our, of, of, of Jesus, the faithful creator, the gracious rescuer, and the certain judge. Let us join our choir master and sing the song that he paid, he used his life to pay for. Let us be confident on what God says we are. Let us take confidence in the promises of God. Let us refuse to be bowed down, but lift up our hands and say, Jesus, I surrender all to you. Wherever you are today, there's a chance to sing. Tomorrow is, is another day to sing a song. Lift up your head. Say, lift it high and say, Lord, there's a reason you came for me. I'm not a finished work yet. They're calling me different names, but I'm coming out on the other side because of the one who rescued me. Let us sing some songs.